Hello, and welcome to CIO Live here in ASEAN. My name is Chris Holmes, Editor-at-Large, and I will be your host today. I'm pleased to welcome Fred Gomez, Director of Technology Services at Gemological Institute of America, as part of our Leadership Live series, where we talk to tech leaders across the region. Before we get started on the discussion on your approach to the future of the technology organization and the importance of enterprise architecture, Fred, maybe you can just share your background and how you became a tech leader. Absolutely. Uh, hi, Chris, and it's a pleasure to be here. Um, uh, always a pleasure to be you know, speaking with uh, folks like you. My background actually goes back 25 years. And, and what comes to mind uh, when I think, you know, when, I, when you, you posed the question to me was, uh, how my journey has uh, has has been uh, formulated through constant change. I think being in the, in the IT industry, in, in the, at least in the last 20, 25 years, what's been constant is change, right? Um, so co continuously going through change. And the second thing that, that strikes me a, a lot is my the, the focus that one has to be on on customer right putting customer front and center i think those are the two things the constant change in the industry and the 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 the, the fact that you put the, the the interests of the customer front and center uh, maybe it was just happenstance uh, or just my propensity for to be a change maker uh, coupled with making you know maintaining a customer first approach uh, which, which you know, which invigorated me or propelled me through this. You know, you get into a tunnel, and what keeps you going, right? That's what I'm talking about. Uh, when whether it, it's uh, when I look back, whether it's my tenure at IBM Singapore initially when I started my journey in IT, or whether it's in the the last the 15 years of uh, aerospace industry experience, I think it, it's. Uh, it's the the thing that comes through clearly is is the, the the data points I mentioned. One is the constant change. I know when I joined IBM, it was you know they were shifting from one one type of uh, you know delivery to a different kind of delivery. Web was taking over. There's this move to move everything uh, to be web enabled. Uh, and then when I joined the aerospace industry, it was this con the move from uh, a very mainframe uh, centric infrastructure to uh, a three-tier SAN application enterprise architecture model, right? So uh, that I think transformation uh, in the industry and just me me being lucky enough to ride those waves in in those different uh, industries, and then following that, when I was with Bridgestone, I was also you know part of uh, setting up the enterprise architect architecture practice. So that was again a transformation when uh, enterprise architecture has been around for a long time, but uh, the adoption of enterprise architecture into in, into some industries, were, you know, at, at a different pace. So when I hit Bridgestone, they were bringing EA into their practice, and it was a good time for me to to transition, help transition the organization itself. So uh, I think all in all, the the common theme, if you see here, is the is the constant change in the industry and the transformation, uh, and also at every step of the journey, making sure that, you know, you're keeping the customer front and center. I think those are the two things that, uh, uh, you know, uh, pivoted me uh, to be where I am today. And, and That's and, great. And so very interesting, as you said, you've gone from sort of tech provider through to uh, aerospace, uh, through to tires, effectively. Uh, and now you're with the Gemological Institute of America. Maybe you could just give a little bit of an introduction as to um, what the organization actually does. 
Absolutely. It's, it's an exciting place to be. So I joined uh, Gemological Institute uh, in California uh, in 2017. Uh, I'm currently the director for technology services at GIA. I lead a team out of the Singapore office. Uh, the Gemological Institute is uh, a global, it's a not-for-profit uh, institute based in Carlsbad, California. Uh, we're dedicated to education, research, uh, laboratory services, uh, and instrument uh, development. Uh, it's, it's, an, it's a very old company. It's, it's like my boss keeps telling me, uh, you know, it's, it's a 90-year-old startup established in 1931. GIA is the world's foremost authority on diamonds, colored stones, pearls. Um, uh, our, our, our mission is to build trust uh, in in uh, in the customer in the uh, in the gem and jewelry industry. That's our our, our mission, uh, and also now lately, you know, doing it in a in a sustainable fashion. So that they, that's the, the the background of the organization organization I work for. Uh, I lead a team of uh, about five individuals out of the Singapore uh, Operations Center. Uh, we are responsible for <clears throat> providing uh, infrastructure support uh, and application support for the rest of the world's sites uh, outside of uh, US and, and India. So we have uh, labs in Hong Kong, Japan, Bangkok. Uh, we have labs in South Africa, Botswana, Israel, and now we're setting up a lab in Dubai. Uh, and then we also have schools in Taiwan, Hong Kong, and London, which we support. So that's the the breadth of, of services that that my my group offers. That's great. Thanks for that, Fred. So, I mean, let's get into this conversation about that future view of the technology organization. I mean, you said in your intro intro you've been through you know a lot of changes, both sort of technological, but also from a business perspective, different industries. So you know. Maybe in the bigger picture, how do you see the future technology organization? You know, uh, every organization. So in my in my last 25 years, I've, I've been through multiple industries, multiple organizations. I think every organization at any given point of time is in a different state of technology maturity. Um, and, and future proofing any of these organizations, right? Any organization starts with a current assessment of where you are on that on that continuum. Uh, um, you know, assess your current state, uh, keeping up to date. Because you you once you assess your current state, the next step is then what is the current state of of technology out there? That there's a gap, right? And then you you start, <clears throat> you know, looking at how you close that gap. Uh, now key priority that you need to keep in, keep in mind when devising ways to close that gap, of course, is business priorities, right? And then posturing in, in that whole journey, that process, ensuring that you are cultivating a, a, a mindset of, of continuous improvement of, of innovation. Uh, there are some ingredients that help uh, drive these transformations uh, in a sustainable way, uh, you know, and there are frameworks out there that you can leverage uh, to assess your current state um, <clears throat> of, of whatever, whether it's digital transformation or technology transformation. Uh, but you you should develop your own playbook because your playbook depends on <clears throat> internal and external factors, internal being the maturity of your organization, the technology that, that, that you have acquired over the years, <clears throat> and 
the 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 business priorities that are in front of you i think that all needs to come together one thing that we should explore is why or how enterprise architecture uh, and uh, you know can help and and provide guardrails and frameworks for that we should talk about that later so so again i mean you talked there a lot about that sort of connection with the business and it's something we see more and more i mean um how how the technology organization and the business organization actually integrate. And again, when you start to talk about the roadmaps people are creating, there's sort of the business priorities pulling the technology through. But increasingly, there's also an education to the business as to what the technology is actually capable of. So, I mean, with that in mind, how do you actually manage that engagement with the business? You know, how does the organization actually look at bringing new technologies in, prioritize use cases, Absolutely. Great question, Chris. Understanding business goals and business priorities, I think, are, are paramount, right? Um, uh, you, you do that while now keep making sure that, uh, and I have to say this, uh, you know, and underline this also, you, you, IT has a responsibility, not just uh, ensuring that we are in business alignment, but also making sure that the business is keeping the customer front and center. Right, and the business will keep the, but we can't take it for granted, right? Um, oftentimes, the business turns to us and say they need something, right? But it's our job to go that extra mile and say, okay, are you keep, are we keeping the customer front and center in this activity? I think that that's that's key. Identifying pain points uh, where technology can help address uh, whether it is an externally delivered service, you know, adding to a product delivery. Or even internal, uh, you know, internal uh, efficiencies that technology can can bring to the business, right? Uh, these are these are ways that you can you can foster the integration between the business and IT. Um, uh, alignment of technology initiatives. Uh, once you have your technology portfolio built out, right, making sure that they align with strategic business goals. I think every organization has strategic business goals if they are in at a certain level, of, if they're past a certain level of maturity. So the, these are key things to ensure that investments in IT uh, uh, generates generates the expected returns on investment. That's great. And from a practical side, I mean, what does that actually look like? I mean, is there sort of like monthly steering group meetings? I mean, how do you actually, as I say, ensure that alignment? So monthly steering group meetings with stakeholders, you know, prioritization of uh, uh, key initiatives. Uh, and then in this time and age, you know, uh, agility is, 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 is significantly important. Uh, so being able to, so two things, one is you need agility in the organization, you know, and it needs to be driven from an IT standpoint. Uh, the business is agile, right? The business is constantly, uh, you know, sidestepping, moving, moving forward to address external threats and and op- and take on opportunities. Uh, IT needs to be nimble and agile so we can support the business in these uh, in these, you know, at the pace that the business requires. Uh, the other thing uh, we want to also make sure is that uh, IT has um, a good backbench of, of change makers 
you need to put change makers in charge of, of uh, all IT initiatives. You, you, these guys have to be able to to break down barriers and you know move the, the mountains when when it comes to you know making making things happen. You cannot have uh, you know long term you know eight twelve month projects that you know it has to be agile delivery. It has to uh, be connected with the business you know at, at every step of the way. The question has to be asked, are we putting the customer front and center? So, I mean, you talked about being nimble and agile, and I know that has different timeframes in different in different industries. I mean, what does that mean for you? So, you know, if you, if you look at all I, I mean, IT portfolios, you have these multiple buckets of activities or, or, or initiatives. You can categorize... Uh, uh, you know the the the, the activities or initiatives into streams, if you will. Uh, you could have a fast stream where you know you say these projects or these activities, uh, these are three month projects. So the, these are two month projects. You should get delivery done, uh, the product out the door, uh, whatever it is, right? The the actual end product out the door in 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 a certain set uh, set period of time. Uh, now, granted that these need to qualify with certain criteria, the funding needs to be available, resources need to be available, uh, the goals uh, of, of the project, of the, the product delivery needs to be met, achievable, right? So you can bucketize those those initiatives into one bucket. Then you have, you have the, the, you know, the, the second group of, of items, which probably takes a little longer, requires a little bit more planning, uh, maybe, you know, global uh, initiatives or, uh, far-reaching, you know, compliance-related items that would require, you know, a, a little bit more, uh, uh, a little bit of waterfall baked into it. Um, and then you have the third category, which is, you know, the long items, which do we need to do this? Is it done for survival or is it something that we we can park and, and take on later as we, you know, address the, the near term? So I would say, you know, categorization is important, prioritization is important, uh, and then keeping the stakeholders in the know on how these are being uh, juggled, right? Yeah. And, and at all times being able to be nimble in, and flexible in changing gears as we we posture ourselves to support the business. That's great. Thanks. Thanks for that, Fred. So let's get on to that uh, role of the enterprise architect. I know it's a subject, uh, you know, dear to your heart. I mean, so... I mean, how important do you see the role of the enterprise architect? I, I think EA, I don't see. So I, I moved, uh, when I moved from uh, stateside to Singapore a couple of years ago, one thing I, I found lacking or maybe as a gap in, in organizations and in individuals I, I met with in, in the industry within Singapore is the lack of, of importance to enterprise architecture in an organization around here. Uh, in this region, I, I think it's partly because, and I'm not, you know, I'm, this is just my opinion. Um, maybe it's because a lot of the direction, technology direction, is driven outside of of this region, uh, and we're just following, right? Uh, if you're a local organization and you're, you're starting up and you're headquartered in Singapore, uh, then you need, you know, you need to have your own EA, but. But EA is also a practice. It's not just um, a function. So whether it is, you know, EA driven by headquarters, which is based out, outside this region, and you're just the, the, the doer, 
you still need EA or enterprise architecture baked into your, your practice. It plays a crucial role in uh, digital transformation, starting with aligning IT initiatives to the business, uh, providing a holistic view. Uh, could it be, uh, uh, you know, setting up standards, developing of roadmaps? These are all key ingredients in making sure that you're you're future proofing all your investments in IT. Um, uh, you, if you take, you know, there's so many frameworks in in uh, within enterprise architecture which you can leverage. Togaf is one such a very common uh, framework which uh, which uh, a lot of the organizations use. And if you look at the Togaf framework itself, there's there's the business uh, business uh, pillar. There is the technology pillar. There's the application pillar. The data pillar. If you, it's well balanced. And if you fit your, and you, you don't have to take the framework and use it as is, I would say take the framework uh, and then tailor it to the the size and the, and the, and the model that works for you. And then introduce that practice uh, within your organization to achieve uh, a much more uh, streamlined future-proofed organization. It will, uh, it will help drive a mindset, as I said, EA is a practice. It's not a function. So do not stand up EA as, as a department and say, okay, guys, do your work. No, it has to, you have to infuse the EA practice. You have to have regular, uh, you know, de design reviews uh, with the enterprise architecture group or, or set up an EARB or enterprise architecture review board where all new initiatives or anything that changes standards or uh, sets uh, different roadmaps. Key ingredients or input into this process, Chris, is one is you need to know the current state of the organization. Um, two, you need to know the product roadmaps from the vendors that you, uh, the OEM vendors that 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 uh, that that's the fun the fundamentals of your technology stack. Uh, number three is the business uh, priorities and business goals, uh, and number four is your own capacity and capability. Right, all these feed into that EA practice and that output that you will deliver, which is then, so that's your planning piece. That should be part of your, your planning of any uh, uh, IT initiative. And once you have those uh, those ingredients baked in, then that subsequent execution, you know, bring your, bring in your change maker, give it to him and him or her, and they will they will drive the change, and it will be success. It will be more successful, and you'll end up being a, a more resilient, future-proof, uh, less technology debt organization. So, I, I, very interesting there because again, you're you're that person, that individual, that group of individuals need to have a lot of cross-functional skills there. I mean, there's the liaison with the um, the vendors to understand those product roadmaps. There's that ability to actually understand the business and actually know where the business is going and then sort of marrying those two together to actually ensure that the as I say, the technology vendors' uh, 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 plans are actually matching the, the business plans. So, I mean, what makes a good enterprise architect then? I mean, from an individual perspective, I mean, what are the skills this person needs to have? Good question, Chris. I, I think, uh, so first of all, before even going to that individual skill level, right? It, it is not a single individual. Uh, you have to have domains, you have to carve out the domains that are that are key uh, in your, in your 
in your in your technology and and business domains right so say you have uh, as an example you could you 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 organized by business functions so you would have a, a procure to pay function you could have a um, a finance function you could have a a sales or customer focused function so each of these domains or pillars will have their an uh, uh, an individual or a responsible group that are subject matter experts in in, the, in those domains right you need those kind of individuals to form this this uh, group of enterprise architecture uh, practice uh, personnel um in in all, in in terms of what makes a good enterprise architect i think uh, Couple, it's it's a, it's a combination of skills and experience technical proficiency is uh is is uh, is, is a good one to have uh, in multiple domains of, of within the it structure itself multiple domains right so somebody who has been uh, through uh, you know a, a developer uh, a systems guy um and a, a solutions architect uh, and an enterprise architect. So all those are different phases of progression in, in the in the IT industry. So somebody has gone through all those, right? And then also having the the width of uh, of knowledge in different domains within the IT uh, pillar, for instance, security or or data uh, or application stack, right? The, these that the jack of all you know, makes it uh, at one point of time, a jack of all, and then a specialization in one one of the key domains. I think that's what makes uh, a good enterprise architect. Uh, definitely business aptitude, communication skills, uh, the analytical skills, uh, attention to detail, I found. Uh, a, a lot of times I come across architects who just, you know, that once they get to a certain point, they're just not willing to go down to the, the the level of detail that's required you cannot in order to be a good enterprise architect you have to be able to, and want to be able to go to the the level of detail that once you used to go to right uh, you should be able to read architecture diagrams and 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 understand the the data flows and and uh, you know group your thoughts because you're going to you're going to turn around and be able you should be able to communicate to a less technical audience the intricacies of the technology uh, design, right? That's that's key. So communications is is key. Uh, last but not least, of course, is a whole bunch of other things. Like you need you need to be a risk taker. You need to be a change agent. Uh, you should have persuasion skills. And last but not least, as as, as always, is the continuous learning uh, characteristic. I think all this puts together <laughs> put together would make a good enterprise architect. You know, it's not. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's a there's a, there's a lot of skills there, and again, it, it's it's very interesting trying to actually find someone who has that um, those, those those technology skills, that understanding of the technology, but also can actually understand the business and bridge those. And, and you, bridge you'd that be surprised, gap. Chris. Yeah, you, you know, it's it's hard, but you'd be. I, I I'm sure if you look within your organization, every organization, they'll find these people, right? It's it's about finding the ones and. You don't have to come in with all these uh, skill sets. You can come with some base of base. I mean, definitely the communications, the change agent. Some of these are key. The rest of it can be taught, right? The domain, to a certain extent, you, you should have some. You know, I I, I can't be a, a data domain architect 
unless I have some background, some knowledge of data, right? I can't be uh, a finance uh, architect if unless I know some aspects of finance and how the the financial the the process for in, within finance works, right? So some basic uh, key ingredients are there, and the rest of it can be can be grown, can be mentored. So not all that uh, difficult. And I have to ask, I mean, has anything changed with the advent of newer technologies? I mean, you know, particularly this year, it's all around artificial intelligence, Gen AI, it's everywhere. I mean, has the role actually changed as a result of these new technologies coming to the forefront and becoming more available? It is. It is. I think we are at a pivotal, another pivotal point. I think what the past pivotal point was when the internet uh, was, you know, just just took us all by storm, right? Um, now, I think with uh, the advent of automation and AI and machine learning, and now very recently, uh, you know, like Chat GPT, what we are all experiencing, uh, it is it's a it's a huge opportunity, and it's another tidal wave for everyone in 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 the in not only in the tech industry but also in the business to to look at how we can leverage uh, or or reposition ourselves recalibrate ourselves to uh, take advantage of of automation uh, opportunities of uh, you know if you look at the the tools that are in the market today we're just hitting the market as we speak and and these are all coming out in droves content creation legal uh, you know activity um, there is um, you know custom of uh, interactions uh, language uh, translations there's a whole suddenly everything has got a leg up in 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 capability with the tools that are being made available out there like chat gpt and the large language models and natural language processing uh, yeah, then uh, the neural, uh, you know, capabilities of, of machine learning. There's so much out there to do at, at such short time. And the winners are going to be the ones that embrace uh, change and uh, are willing to learn. Uh, and I know, I have, to, I have to call this out, I know um, there are certain segments of, of, uh, of folks right now if you take the 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 20 to 40 year olds right i'm not i'm not being uh i hope i'm not crossing into uh areas that i'm not uh, you know take some people off uh, but there's this group of younger minds that are willing to accept change and wanting wanting change and i'm finding it a lot in places like singapore vietnam uh in bangalore in india where you there, there is this propensity and 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 they are absorbing these and adopting these uh, these newer technologies at a faster pace. There, there's uh, some countries you, you don't find the, you know the no, these as being noise makers. Um, now I'm granted I'm I'm now focused in the Asia Pac region, so I'm you know I'm not I'm probably missing out uh, some of the the countries that I are uh, making headwinds in this in the space. Probably the U.S. Uh, and, and other countries in, in, in the West and Europe. Um, but in this part of the region, I'm seeing a lot of activity, a lot of movement and a lot of uh, absorption of these uh, technologies in, in, the, in the countries I mentioned. So yeah, the, the huge transformative uh, opportunity in front of us right now, Chris. And it's, it's good to be 
in this field at this time. That's great, Fred. And that's a great point to finish on because that's all we've got time for today. <laughs> so thanks, Fred, for sharing your journey and your thoughts on the future of the technology organization. That concludes today's CIO ASEAN interview. My name is Chris Holmes, and I've been talking to Fred Gomez, Director of Technology Services at the Gemological Institute of America. If anyone's got any comments or questions, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. Thank you very much, Chris. It was a pleasure being with you.